Let's pray. Let's, let's begin with the word of prayer. Precious Heavenly Father, today I pray that you would speak to us by the power of your word and your spirit, that you would give us clarity. We come against every power of confusion that would seek in any way, shape, or form to cloud our thinking, to cloud our minds and our hearts, to rob us of our clarity so that we cannot hear the word of the Lord. But I pray that you would give us ears to hear. I pray that you would give us minds to receive. And I pray that you would give us hearts not only to hear and to understand, but to respond. And may our response be swift and sure. I pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17. In Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17, God speaks through the prophet Isaiah to the people of Israel and says, This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God. Listen to this. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you. I want you to say this with me. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. Who teaches you what is best for you. Who teaches you what is best for you. Who directs you. In the way that you should go. In the way that you should go. He said, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. And then in the next verse he says, if only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river. Your well-being like the waves of the sea. Your descendants would have been like the sand. Your children like their numberless grains. Do you hear what he says? If only you would have paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river. Your well-being like the waves of the sea. Why? I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you. Meaning that the commands of the Lord are not for the Lord's benefit, they're for our benefit. So that when God gives us a command, He's not trying to extract something for us for His own pleasure and benefit. He's trying to give something to us for our pleasure and our benefit. Which is exactly the opposite of the way in which we hear, receive, and understand the commands of the Lord. Quite frequently, we feel like God is trying to take something from us instead of giving something to us. But before we go any further, we must acknowledge that God commands us what is best for us. He instructs us to do that which is best for us. Meaning oftentimes, if, if one of the commands of the Lord does not seem like it is best for you, it simply means God knows what is best for you better than you know what is best for you. If only... You would have paid attention to my commands, he says. He's looking back at our disobedience and saying, man, you didn't see it, but I was trying to give you peace like a river. Yeah. I was trying to give you well-being like the waves of the sea. If only you had paid attention to my commands. Now, this whole Kingdom First series, and we are in part five, our fifth week out of six weeks in our Kingdom First series, The whole series actually has been about idolatry. And idolatry is simply the act of putting anything ahead of God. You know, I hear a lot of people say in our culture, it's so cliche to say, I put God first. 
I just put God first. I put God first. I put God first. Yeah. But there's, that's all, oftentimes it's just a saying. It's just a cliche. Yeah. When you look at the way you make decisions in your life, you actually don't put God first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You put him first in that sentence. You don't actually put him first in your decisions. Yeah, 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 yeah. And every week in this Kingdom First series, we have discovered how we have a tendency to put other things ahead of God. And so in the first week, we discovered that sometimes we put self first. We have a tendency to put our own ambitions and our own desires and our own agenda ahead of God. In the second week, we discovered that we have a, a tendency and a temptation to put our own community and our own social life and our, even our own church ahead of God. In the third week, we discovered how we tend to put our culture ahead of God. In the fourth week, we discovered how we tend to put our family ahead of God. And today, we're going to discover how we tend to put our money ahead of God. This is a dangerous series. If you're still in the church when this series is over, you're a real Christian. Matthew chapter 6 is our key verse, our key chapter. Today I'm going to look at verses 19, 20, and 21. Jesus says to us in these verses, and he's talking to disciples here. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and dust corrupt and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and dust do not corrupt and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then verse 22, this is the heart of it. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. All right, now let's look at this verse a little bit. First, he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth. I looked at that that I uh, looked at this passage in the Greek, and, and actually the word layup and treasure are two different forms of the exact same word. He literally says, do not treasure for yourselves treasures on the earth. Now, actually, they're the same word, but they have two different connotations. That's why the first word is translated layup or store up instead of treasure, because in the ancient world, there was you had two different kinds of treasures. One kind of treasure was your treasury or the storehouse the receptacle where you kept all your treasures. It's like your, your treasure chest yeah. or your jewel box, like your, your, like your jewelry case, wherever you kept your treasure, your treasury, the place where you store up your treasures, that's the first kind of treasure. That's the first meaning of that word. And then the second form of treasure is the actual treasure that you store in your treasury. You following me? So the first word when he says, do not treasure up for yourselves, he's using that first connotation of the the word. Do not have an earthly treasury or treasure box where you store up your treasures. Do not store up for yourselves, treasure up for yourselves, treasures. The second word treasure there is the actual treasure that you put in that box. Do not treasure up for yourself treasures on the earth. Why? He says, don't focus on creating an earthly storehouse of earthly treasures. Why? Because moths and rust 
corrupts those kinds of treasures. In the ancient world, there were many types of treasures that you'd put in your treasure box. One type would be clothing that's of great value that you want to keep. But sometimes people would put clothing in their treasure box and whatever you put in your treasure box, you're trying to keep it safe. You're trying to hoard it. You're trying to hide it. You're trying to protect it because you value it above all things. And so you want to protect it and keep it safe. But sometimes moths would make their way in there and the treasure that you're trying to keep safe and protect, you open it up and pick it up and there's got all kinds of holes in it because the moths have aided the very thing that you were trying to hoard and protect you lost and then there were jewels or precious items that they would hide in there but sometimes a little moisture would sneak in there and then that very thing would rust so that it's of no value so jesus is literally saying the problem with earthly treasure is that ultimately you can't protect it You could do everything in your power to protect it. And if you spend your whole life hoarding earthly treasure at the end of your life, you can find that you've lost it all and it's completely meaningless. And in actuality, at the end of your life, even if moth and dust have not gone in and eaten it up and and thieves haven't broken in and steal, at the end of your life, it's still going to be worthless to you because you can't take it with you. And then he says, thieves break in and steal. Actually, the word there for break in and steal means to dig, to dig in and steal. Why? Because your treasure, you would either hide it inside your house or you would bury it in the ground. Now, if you hid it inside your house, a thief, if a thief wanted to rob your house, he would have to dig in and steal. Why? Because they had these mud brick walls and mud brick roofs. It was all made of mud. And so a thief could break into your house either through the roof or through the wall by simply digging. And so Jesus says, so that a thief cannot dig in and steal. Earthly treasure is vulnerable both to the moth and dust that corrupts and the thieves that dig in and steal. But Jesus says, instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupt. Jesus says, if you have a heavenly treasury in which you deposit heavenly treasures, what you deposit into your heavenly treasury is neither vulnerable to the moths and the rust that break in and corrupt it, or the thieves that dig in and steal it, meaning what you invest in the kingdom of God cannot be taken from you. It is an investment that never loses its value. Its return on your investment is absolutely certain. It is the safest form of investment that you could possibly make, and it makes the greatest possible good that you could possibly imagine. And then Jesus says this, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Notice Jesus does not say, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. Because if Jesus were to say, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also, he would be giving us permission to operate out of the following logic. I will put my treasure here when my heart gets there. My heart's not quite there yet. So when it comes to things like tithing, giving to God, well, my heart's not quite there yet. I'm waiting for my heart to catch up. And when my heart gets there, then I'll put my treasure there. Jesus says, no, 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 it's the other way around. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Meaning if you want your heart to get there, you got to start by putting your treasure there. You must send your treasure ahead of your heart. And if you want your heart to move out of a certain place, you got to get your treasure out of there. 
Because if you keep your treasure there, your heart will always reside there. That's why if, if you're trying to move out of somebody, like if you've been living with somebody, and you're trying to break it off and get out. You got to get all of your valuables and take them out of that house. Talking about you break up, but then you leave and leave all of your valuables in that person's house. Your heart is still there until you pack your stuff. Your heart hasn't left. You said, well, I left him. No, you didn't. You left all your stuff over there. <laughs> you need to go get your toothbrush, your checkbook, your watch. You know what I mean? You need to move your treasure out of that place and into another place because wherever your treasure is, your treasure goes ahead of your heart. Yeah. And if you send your treasure ahead of your heart, your heart will always follow yeah. your treasure. Now let's get down to business. <laughs> it's clear by now that Jesus is talking to us about our money. <laughs> I knew I'd get a mercy from Kevin on that one. <laughs> Just like it's scandalous for a preacher to talk about politics. Yeah. Just like it's scandalous for a preacher to talk about sexuality. It's scandalous for a preacher to talk about money. Yeah. Here goes that manipulative word of faith stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that promise of prosperity stuff. Yeah. It's interesting how the enemy builds walls around our idolatries. Wow, yeah. And then tries to convince us to shut our ears to anything that God might speak to it. Wow. And justify it by drawing our attention to the inequities and the misapplications yeah. of the church yeah. in the history of the church. Wow. So that we are offended mm -hmm. by the very mention of the subject. Yeah. Mm. The fact of the matter is, however, if God doesn't have your money, He doesn't have your heart. Wow. You can claim to be kingdom first all you want, but if you haven't put any of your treasure there, don't dare claim that your heart is there. Ooh, it got real quiet. <laughs> A hush fell over the crowd. I put God first. For real. Living kingdom first in the realm of finances means to make the kingdom of heaven my number one financial priority. Wow. Living kingdom first in the realm of my finances means to make the kingdom of heaven my number one financial priority. According to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, it means to honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of your increase. Yeah. First fruits means before I think of anything else, including the rent, the light bill, the food on my table, The fun that I want to have, the trip that I want to take, before I think of anything else, the first thing I do is honor the Lord with my substance and with the first fruits of my increase. What many of us have done in the body of Christ is made the kingdom of heaven the optional last fruits. I get my check, I pay the rent, I pay the bills. I decide what I want to eat. I pay the car. I decide what clothes I want to buy. Oh, and then at the end of the month, is there anything left over for God? 
I'll get you next month, Lord. I'll get you next month. Because <laughs> God looks at the heart. He ain't looking at the money anyway. God looks at the heart. God look, no, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Which means if God wants to look at your heart, he's got to look at your treasure. But God knows my heart. Yes, he does. <laughs> yeah. Only God can judge me. Yes, he will. Oh, <laughs> will a man rob God? But you say, how have we robbed you? Wait, 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 wait. Do you hear how crazy this language is? Robbed? Do you know what it means to rob somebody? Like we hear stuff like this so much and we don't actually stop to think of how crazy this language is. Will a man rob God? Will a man pull a gat, pull a strap, <laughs> take a nine millimeter pistol out of his belt, put a gun to God's head and say, break yourself. <laughs> Have you ever been robbed before? Yeah. <laughs> oh, see, you need to spend more time in the ghetto. <laughs> you don't understand this passage unless you've been robbed before. Yeah. Do you know how violated you feel? Yeah. When somebody breaks, Sonny and I, one Christmas, <laughs> one Christmas Eve, it was a Sunday morning service, and we loaded all of our Christmas gifts for our family members in our car. Our car was filled with Christmas gifts, and what we did, listen to how smart we were. <laughs> We filled the back seat with Christmas gifts. <laughs> the trunk was full. The back seat was full. And then we just put coats over the top of it. Like nobody's going to know there's anything under those coats, right? <laughs> and then we went to church. And we worshiped the Lord with all of our... We came out of the church. Glass was everywhere. The car was completely empty. And there was a big rock in the back seat that they had thrown through the window. And they left the rock there. <laughs> like, I want you to see how <laughs> we broke. Do you know how violated we felt? You ever come home and notice that somebody's been in your house before? Yeah. That's the eeriest feeling. Yeah. To come home and realize. Remember when Sonny and I, we were ministering in, in the, well, it was in the ghetto. And thieves broke in and stole. And it was around Christmas time. All the gifts were under our tree. All the gifts were under our tree, and they went Christmas shopping under our tree. Wow. <laughs> and, and our Actually, that happened when we first moved to Emeryville, too, back in 2005. We moved to Emeryville, and Sunday and I went out and had a wonderful day. We came home. We opened up the door to our apartment. We're like, where'd our laptops go? Hey, where's our cameras? And then Sunday, where's my jewelry? And the thieves were so nice, they actually locked the door for us on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure we were safe. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that feeling? I've been violated. Somebody yeah. came in my house and took my stuff. That just feels, oh, that's how God feels when we don't bring him the tithe. Uh, well, a man, wow. you, you're going to rob, you're just going to rob me? Yeah. He's just going to break in my house and take my... St I, want you to, I, want, I want us to understand this because when we don't have a kingdom first mentality, we see our giving to the Lord as benevolence. Yeah. I'm going to do God a favor and hook him up with this little offering here. God, I'm going to kick you down a little bit, God, because I love you. You know, God said, no, 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 you don't get it. The tithe is mine. Yeah. When you give it to me, you're not giving me an offering. Wow. 
You haven't even started to give an offering until you get above the tithe. Wow. Yeah. When I give my tithe, that's God's. If I don't give it to him, God says, you've come in, you broke into my house. You took what is mine. Yeah. That's, that's just justice. It's like, I mean, think about it. Think, I, just, just imagine, I need you to understand this. It's like, um, it, it'd be like um, Ilbum <laughs> is walking down a dark alley. And I come behind him and put a gun in his back. Break yourself, fool. <laughs> they don't even say that anymore. That's like from 1990. <laughs> what, what do they say now when they rob you? What? Huh, they just say, give me your money. Yeah. That's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> These need they to just st- take it from your account. Oh, yeah, they just, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's so old school, you know, <laughs> a gun. You don't need a gun. You just, I just need your password. <laughs> you know all right, so let's, let's take it a step. Let's say Ilbum goes into a coffee shop, opens up his computer. I'm a hacker sitting on the other side of the coffee shop, right? I hack into his computer. I get access to his checking account. I take $2,000 out of his oh checking God. account. You can have it all. All right, then I decide, I feel bad for Ilbum. So I'm like, Ilbum, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to bless you. I just want to bless you. So I'm going to give you an offering of $200. Oh, huh. Is that an offering? No. That's not even the beginning. That's, that's partial justice. Yeah. That is when I give him that $200, if I, if I present it to him like, I just want to bless you. I just like you. And he's like, wow, that's so cool. Because he doesn't know I'm the one who robbed him. Yeah. <laughs> but once he finds out I'm the one who robbed him, yeah. he doesn't see my $200 as a blessing. Yeah. He sees it as incomplete justice. Yeah, yeah. Because when you take a step to rectify a wrong that you perpetuated, yeah. it's not benevolence and it ain't charity. Yeah. It's justice. I can smell the brains just frying in this <laughs> Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Yeah. But you say, how have we robbed you? In the giving of the tithes and offerings. And then he says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house, says the Lord. Now watch this. I I want you to see how this plays out. First he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house, says the Lord. But then he says, test me in this, which is the only place in the Bible where God gives us permission to test him. Every other place is, you shall not put the Lord your God to the, don't you dare test me. It's not like my mama would say, test me. Try me. Put me to the test. See if I won't slap you so hard you'll have six visions, five dreams, and four revelations. You want to meet Jesus? Try me. I will set up a meeting. That's how God said, test me in every other place in the Old Testament. But here he says, test me. Try me in this and see if I won't. Listen, listen. Test. Try me. Give your tithe. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you you don't have room to receive. Just try me. Try, test me. See if I won't bless you. 
Now, here's the problem with the way we hear that passage. We hear that passage and we don't quite move into a kingdom first mentality. Here's the way we hear that passage. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this of see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you you won't have, to receive. You won't have room to receive. Translation, if I honor God by bringing him the tithe, God will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on me. That is not a kingdom first mindset. I knew drug dealers who used to tithe because they wanted to get blessed. <laughs> Meaning they brought the tithe for personal benefit. Wow. To derive personal benefit from it. That is not the same thing as storing up your treasures in heaven. You still want a treasure on the earth. It is not a kingdom first mindset when you bring to God an offering so that you can receive an earthly reward. That's an exchange. You're putting your dollar in the machine, pushing a button and hoping for a Coke. Wow. Yeah. And you missed the whole middle part of that passage. Huh. He does not simply say, bring the tithe into the storehouse, test me in this and see if I will not open the windows. He says, bring the tithe into the storehouse that there might be meat in my house, says the Lord. Wow. Yeah. That there may be meat in my house. Listen to what he says. Bring the tithe into the storehouse so that people can come to the storehouse and their lives can be transformed yeah. and changed yeah. and there can yeah. be salvation yeah. Yeah. in the house of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as an afterthought, he goes, oh, and by the way, I will, I'll open up the windows of heaven for you. Yeah. Uh, know, I'll pour out a blessing on you. But that's not the point. Wow. That's a secondary point. The yeah. primary yeah. point is that there is an eternal benefit. Yeah. Yeah. That when you put the kingdom first in the, in the realm of your finance, what you're actually sowing into, the return on your investment that you are actually looking for is in the form of lives changed, worlds transformed, yeah. salvations. That's good. I think back on when we first started Living Hope back in 2004. You know how treacherous it is to start a church? <laughs> it's, it's treacherous. The biggest question, we started with no financial base whatsoever. None. I remember there were people I knew who were like deep pockets. And people used to say, you should call that guy and invite him to come visit your church. Because every time that guy would come visit a church, especially a new church, a church startup, he would drop forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 in the plate. So I called him on the phone. I'm like, hey, bro, I'd like to visit you, invite you to come visit my church. And uh, number one, he never answered when I called. I left messages for him. I never saw him. We started with nothing, and we lived month to month. You know what the Lord sent instead of one deep-pocketed person to drop tens of thousands of dollars on the plate? You know what the Lord did? He sent a few faithful people. Yeah. A few faithful people that we could not have survived without. Some of them are still in this room right now. Yeah. I think about their faithful giving, the Carringtons. Yeah. From the very beginning, the Carringtons were, were I mean, without the giving of the, Car of the Carringtons and other families, the Venables. Yeah. Sean Swanick, mm -hmm. Carol Dawn. Families that just gave mm -hmm. sacrificially from the start. Yeah. 
Do you know that every life that has been changed in this place, that every salvation, everybody who's met the Lord has been the fruit of their giving? Yeah, amen. Yes, amen. That what is being stored in the storehouse on their behalf is souls saved, lives changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, at the end of the day, and this, this, is, this is why it's so important to make this distinction, because people tend to think myopically yeah. about giving. Yeah. Well, God said, if I give, I'll be blessed. So I'm going to give my tithe on Sunday, and I had better be blessed by Monday. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I'm not blessed on Monday, God, what happened there? You said, test me. I tested you, and you failed. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not giving no more because your mind is still on earthly things and you're looking for an earthly reward for a heavenly investment instead of a heavenly reward. A heavenly reward is better. Let me tell you what that means to me. That means that when I have a kingdom first financial mentality, And I give to God first. It means that my first priority is to invest my treasure in the kingdom of heaven. And the result I look for from that, soul saved. Lives changed. Families put back together again. The poor having the gospel preached to them. The truth being established in hearts. Yeah. I want my name written on that stuff. Wow, yeah. And in God's way and in God's time, I know he's going to bless me financially too. Yeah. Hmm. Because when it comes to financial prosperity, that's one thing that Jesus said, don't give any thought to it. Jesus said to give no thought to it. The whole point of this Matthew chapter 6 passage is don't worry. But God, it doesn't make sense. And here's here's the thing. We disqualify ourselves from heavenly treasures in the financial realm because we think it has to make sense to us. Yeah. But God, it doesn't make sense. I, I look at my finances and it doesn't make sense if I give this. By the end of the month, I'm not going to make this. If I, if I give the tithe, if I actually honor you with the tithe, by the end of the month, I'm not gonna, it's not going to work. It doesn't make sense right now. So translation, God, when it makes sense, then I'll come into obedience. Wow, yeah. Meaning that my personal obedience is always dependent upon my ability to budget. And here's the problem with that. Expenses Expenses are like gas. They expand to fill their container. Yeah. Yeah. You will never be prosperous enough to have enough room in your budget for God. Yeah. And by the way, here's the way we think anyway, right? It's like, I want to buy a new car. Can you afford that new car? It's going to be tight, but I think I can make it. Yeah. <laughs> I had to squeeze in other ways, but I, th- I think I can make it. God says, bring me the tithe. Oh, no, I couldn't do that. I, couldn't, I can't afford that. Yeah. I, can't afford, I can't afford it. I just can't, can't afford it. When it comes to God, can't afford it. Can't, can't. But when it comes to something I want, I think I can make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which means that my treasure yeah. 
And this is the key. This is the, this is the, I'm so desperate for you to hear me today. Yes. It means when I think of financial giving, it feels like a loss and not a treasure. Yeah. A kingdom first mentality means that my greatest financial treasure is giving to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have not yet adopted a kingdom first mentality if giving to God feels to me like a loss. My greatest financial treasure. Two misconceptions about American culture. First, we think we're broke. Mm-mm. Yeah. That's the first misconception. Yeah. yeah. We're broke. Yeah. We're broke. Yeah. Go to Indonesia and then tell me you're broke. Yeah. We're so broke. We're so broke. Let me ask you a question. Do you drive a car? Yeah. If you drive a car, even if it's a hoopty. Yeah. You are in the top 6% wow. economically in the world. Wow. You're yeah. in the, six, the top 6% of the wealthiest people in the world if you own an automobile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Fifth, at 94% of the world's population cannot afford a vehicle of any kind. 96% of the world's population would love your hoopty. Yeah. 50% of the world's population lives on less than $2 a day. You drink more coffee than that. Oh. <laughs> but I'm so broke. I'm so broke. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm so broke. Oh. No, you're not. You're wasteful. Oh, shit. That's good. Your treasure is still in the earth. Wow. That's true. Second misconception. We are so generous. <laughs> First misconception, I'm so broke. Second misconception, I'm so generous. Every once in a while, I drop 20 bucks in the plate. God's like, man, you are a, you are a financial wizard. Like, really, how do I do that? What do you mean I'm a financial wizard? Well, I mean, you, you have a nice house, you drive a nice car, you wear nice clothes, you do it all on $200 a month. It's like, what do you mean? Well, you only give me 20 bucks a month, and that's 10%. <laughs> you must only get $200 a month. <laughs> yeah. Kingdom first. Kingdom first. Yeah. Now we look at the core passage of this whole series, Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Jesus says... Do not worry. Yeah. Yeah. First, he says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Don't store up for yourselves treasures in, on earth where moss and dust corrupt, yeah. where moss and rust corrupts, and where thieves break in the steel. But treasure up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Yeah. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He goes on from there, actually, to say, man cannot serve two masters. We talked about that yeah. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Either you'll hate the one and serve the other, or you'll love the one and despise the other. Can't serve God and mammon. Yep. And then he says, by the way, don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? Mm. What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles are seeking. 
The Gentiles live money first. Yeah. But you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. For which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? NIV says one day to his life. The image is, which of you by worrying can make yourself one inch taller than you are right now? Which of you by worrying can add one dollar to your monthly income? And then he says, consider the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these. If this is the way God adorns the lilies of the field who are here today and tomorrow are thrown in the oven, how much more will he adorn you, O you of little faith? Yeah. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you. Yeah. In each and every one of these messages, the danger has been, and even the stress that I feel during the week and my wife felt during the week preparing these messages. What if they think we're telling them to neglect their families? Yeah. What if they think we're telling them to neglect their community? What if they think we're telling them to neglect their own personal needs and not take care of themselves? There's always the danger of, oh, so what? I'm just supposed to neglect my family? Oh, so what? I'm just supposed to forget about the rent? Oh, so what? No! Mm. It's as if to say God doesn't care about those things. Jesus, your Father knows that you have need of these things. Yeah. These things are not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Having money is not bad. Driving a new car is not bad. Having a nice house is not bad. Dr- having new, new shoes is not bad. And new clothes is not bad. They just can't be first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Amen. The kingdom of heaven must be first. Now, we're going to bring this home. Mark chapter 2. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus enters Capernaum. And he begins to teach. And he's in somebody's house. And there's such a throng of people, there's such a crowd that nobody could get in the door. So imagine, Jesus is sitting in the middle of the house, the house is filled with people, and there's people hanging out all of the windows, and there's people crowding the door, and nobody can get even close to him. But there was this man who had four friends, and he was paralyzed from the neck down, and so they put him on a cot, and they were bringing him to be with Jesus, to see Jesus. They wanted to bring him to Jesus, and they bring him, and they can't get close to Jesus. Yeah. So what do they do? Getting to Jesus is impossible. So what do they do? They climb up on the roof and hoist him up there. And they dig a hole in the roof <laughs> where thieves dig in and steal. Wow. Yeah. These men do the opposite of thieves digging in and steal. These men dig a ho- dig, dug a hole in their own roof. Yeah. Because to dig a hole in, in a mud brick roof was to destroy the whole house. Mm. Now, you, we always think about it in terms of the guy whose house they dug a hole in. Like, can you imagine it's your house, you're inside, you feel something on the roof? Like, what the heck? And all of a sudden, a whole, pfft, and it's big enough for the guys to lower a man down on a cot. They, they tore a huge hole in that whole roof. Yeah. What the heck? We always think about it from the perspective of the guy who owned the house. No, I think about it from the perspective of the friends. They knew they were going to have to pay for that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Now, can you imagine your friend is paralyzed and his only chance is to get to Jesus and you're up there on the roof. You have to take a moment. 
<laughs> Can I afford to get this friend to Jesus? <laughs> we might have to wait till the next time Jesus comes to town and try again. How desperately do you need Jesus again? These men were so desperate to get their friend to Jesus that they were willing to tear a hole in the roof of their own financial future in order to get him there. They had to dig a hole in their own prosperity. Literally, these guys are up on the roof and they're thinking, all right, what am I going to tell my wife? (laughs) Me and my wife haven't even talked this through. All four of them were like, I know, dude, I got to tell my wife too. We were planning on buying this new chariot. <laughs> so much for that chariot. <laughs> Imagine coming home covered in mud. What happened to you, baby? We got to talk. Remember that trip to Egypt we were going to take? <laughs> it's not going to happen this year. <laughs> but Johnny can walk. And here's what's crazy about that. When they lowered him down to Jesus, what did Jesus say? Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven you. And they're up on the roof like, no! (laughs) We destroyed our whole financial future so that you could tell him your sins are forgiven you? Make him walk for God's sake! Jesus is even calling those four dudes on the roof to a kingdom first mindset. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. Because even those four dudes on the roof were willing to tear a hole in their own financial future for an earthly return. Wow. They wanted their friend to walk. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Jesus sees their faith and he knew what they wanted him to do. But Jesus is actually calling those four dudes on the roof to a higher Mindset. Kingdom mindset. Let me give you something better than the use of your legs. Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven you. Hmm. Can you imagine being disappointed because God told you your sins are forgiven? (laughs) (laughs) Because what you actually wanted him to tell you is, I'm healing your legs. I'm restoring you to your job. You can work again. You were looking for an earthly return. But God calls you to a kingdom first. Mindset. And Jesus only heals the guy because he heard the thoughts of the people in the room thinking, can anyone heal sins but God? This is blasphemy. And Jesus says, oh, you don't think I can heal sins? All right, stand up and walk. And he heals the guy. And the guy can walk. Jesus is always calling us to think at a higher place. Yeah, 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 yeah. And always calling us. The question that he's always asking us is, What are you willing to surrender? Mm. Remember, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who found a treasure in a field. This man was walking in this field and he steps on something. That doesn't feel like dirt. And he starts to dig and he finds a treasury. A treasure chest. 
and he opens it up. <gasps> and the treasure inside this treasury is of greater value than anything that he has ever seen in his life. He looks around, hope nobody else sees it. He closes the treasure chest and he buries it again. And he walks away saying, I must have this field. And he goes home in his joy. He looks at his house, his car, his clothes, his new Jordans, his wife's clothes, his <laughs> wife's, his wife's jewelry, his kids uh, college fund, the private school that his kids were enrolled in, his own 401k, all of his investments. And he liquidates everything. I can imagine his wife screaming and crying as he takes all the clothes out of her closet, but he can't stop laughing. They think he's lost his mind. He's a crazy person. Why? Because he's giving up everything. He's selling everything. Everything must go. He's liquidating everything. He's willing to give up everything. Nothing is valuable to him anymore. Why? Nobody knows about the treasure he found in that field. Yeah, 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 yeah. The treasure in that field is far more valuable than all this earthly stuff. Yeah, yeah. Jesus says that man went out and sold everything that he had and came back and bought the whole field. Yeah. Why are you buying this field? Because there's a treasure in it that's of greater value than all the stuff, than all the stuff that I've accumulated in my life. If I could just have the field, I found a treasure in it that's greater. At every place at which obedience to God feels like a loss, it's because you have not found the treasure in the field. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is the treasure in the field. And when you find that treasure box and you open it up and you see the salvation and the healing, have you ever heard anybody share with you the story of how God came into their life and forgave their sin and cleansed them? I tell you what, it's worth all of my fortune and everything that I've amassed to see one life get transformed, one salvation, one person come into faith in Jesus Christ and receive him. And I want to put everything I have into seeing that happen again and again and again. Why? Yeah, because the yeah. treasure is too valuable. It's yeah, too rich. Yeah. And so I'm willing to sell everything I have to buy that field. Yeah. Nothing is too valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And some of us need to repent this morning. Because we put God last. That's idolatry. We've put what we perceive to be our own financial well-being above the command of the Lord. That is idolatry. And here's the crazy thing about idolatry. It's not enough to acknowledge it. Yep, that's an idol. <laughs> you actually got to tear it down. Yeah. Wow. I was reading all through the book of Deuteronomy where God told them, tear down all of those idols. Destroy them. Take their Asherah poles and break them to pieces and burn them. Take those altars to Baal and tear them down. When you find an idol in your life, it's not enough to acknowledge it. God, this is an idol. I recognize this is an idol. Who cares if you... Nobody needs your lip service. But do you go home and keep worshiping it? Yep, God, that's an idol. Then you go home and say, I'm going to keep worshiping it. Sorry, Lord. Or I'll pray about it. Lord, I'm going to pray about, you know, I'm going to pray about, just pray about it. Who are you going to pray to? <laughs> your idol? <laughs> you're not praying to the Lord about obedience. You're praying to your idol. Yeah. You're asking your idol, is it okay to tear you down? How about I tear down half of you? Just so I can honor the Lord here. 
Delayed obedience is continued idolatry. Wow. Dang. <laughs> Lord, we want your kingdom to come. How many, how many of us have prayed? Your kingdom come. And we don't realize that the kingdom only comes for those who put the kingdom first. Wow. God says, why would I send my kingdom upon you when you won't put it first? Wow. In 2 Kings, I think it's chapter 17, it talks about Athaliah, who was the mother of Ahaziah. When her son died, she took over and started ruling Israel. The problem was she was a Baal worshiper, and so she set up the temple of Baal and brought in all this idolatry to Israel. And she thought all the sons of Jehoiada, or the sons of um, whatever his name was, were dead. So she thought she could just reign unobstructed, but one of his sons had been hidden. And Jehoiada the priest had hidden him for seven years. And when the time came, he was seven years old, they brought him out and set him on the throne, put the, put the, the crown on him. They said, long live the king. And what did they do? It said, all the people of Israel rushed into the temple of Baal and tore it down. Yeah. All of the people of Israel rushed into the temple of Baal, tore it down, and tore down the altars yeah. and burned it with fire. And then they returned to the temple of the Lord. This is a great opportunity for us to tear down the temple of Baal in our lives today. Yeah. Typically, I do not end a service with a practical response because God often wants something deeper from our hearts. But today, we're ending this service with something very practical. And I need Jimmy to come back to the keyboard. And I need yeah, the, the worship team to come back. We're going to respond to God in a very practical way today. When I find out that I put my money before God, that requires immediate action. I must respond by putting God over my money. Yeah. And this morning, I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is giving us an opportunity to respond to God in a very practical way. Yeah. How? By bringing the tithe into the storehouse today. You know what I did recently that really helped me? I set up my tithe on PushPay as a recurring gift that goes out on the first of the month. It just automatically comes out. Do you know why I do that? Because there is absolutely no opportunity to think about it, to reconsider it, to recalculate it, to diminish it, to delay it, to postpone it, to rethink it, to rationalize it away, I set it up as a recurring gift. Why? Because that portion of my finances is not mine. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually not even a gift. Hmm. And it's not a payment either. We say, I gotta pay my tithes. No, you don't. Yeah. God ain't looking for rent. Yeah. That's a payment. The tithe is when I bring the first fruits of my increase to the Lord. And when I bring the first fruits of my increase to the Lord, I'm making a statement. God, your kingdom is first. Yeah. You get my first fruits. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. God, I'm moving my treasure to your kingdom. 
the kingdom first financial mindset says that the purpose of money is to honor God and empower his kingdom and participate in the flow of his kingdom. That's the first purpose of money. And everything after that is secondary. Even my own provision is secondary. That's the kingdom first mindset. Not money first, kingdom first. Kingdom first. Seek first the kingdom of God. I know I'm seeking to save money so I could pay off all my debt. Seek the kingdom first. And all these things will be added unto you as well. I know I'm trying to pull my family out of poverty. Are you going to do that by your own power? Or are you going to do it by seeking the kingdom first? I'll never forget several years ago, my wife and I realized that we were in $18,000 of debt, credit card debt. And we took hands on an airplane and we began to pray. And we said, God, it was May of that year. We said, God, would you wipe out that debt by the end of the year? And God spoke to us. You know what he said? He said, sure, but I need you to start giving 20% of your income instead of 10. In the natural, the response of our heart should have been, Lord, if I can't pay off this debt giving you 10%, how am I going to pay off this debt by giving you 20%? That's the worldly mindset. That's the money first mindset that the kingdom first mindset says that obedience is the way to provision and prosperity. God said, I want you to give 20%. I looked at my wife. I said, I believe the Lord is saying he wants us to give 20%. My wife is such a gangster for Jesus. She just smiled and said, let's do it. She's like, let's do it. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. That's, you know. And we were excited. We immediately went home and made the adjustment, started giving God 20% of our income. And guess what happened? On December 10th of that year, we made our last credit card payment and we paid off all of our credit card debt. How did we do that? Because if you put the kingdom first, God takes care of what's, what's missing. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you put the kingdom first, where his finger guides, his hand provides. When you put the kingdom first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have an opportunity this morning to put the kingdom first. If Living Hope Christian Center is not your home church, you can give your tithe to your home church. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast anywhere in the world, by the way, we've got more than 46,000 listeners to our podcast all over the world. Wherever you're listening to this, I urge you to respond to this message immediately by bringing your tithe into the storehouse, not just so that God can open the windows of heaven and bless you, but so that there might be meat in his house, yeah, yeah, yeah. that there might be saved souls, that there might be lives changed so that you might store up treasure in heaven. And I don't know about you, but I want my treasure in heaven to be names written in the book of life that yes. would not have been written without yes. my giving. Yes. Yes. I remember when we went to Ethiopia and we did an, an open air outreach in Ethiopia and there was more than 100,000 people there on the field on the last day. And we saw more than 30,000 people lift their hand to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Do you know that people who gave to that trip and people who gave to see that that outreach happened, that all those names would not have been written in the, in the book of life without their financial giving? Yeah. yeah. That what they were sowing into was the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just an event but souls saved, yeah. names written in the book of life. And that is what we are all about in this house. That is what we are all about in this house. This is where we are going. This is what this Kingdom First series is all about, is setting our eyes on the harvest and yeah. saying, God, I want to be about the harvest. I want to be about seeing souls come to salvation yeah. through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's bow our heads.
Ushers, come forward. Lord Jesus, I pray for clarity in every heart and in every mind. Clarity in every heart and in every mind right now in Jesus' name. We come against every power of the enemy that seeks to confuse, that seeks to taint. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would give us the courage, the wisdom, and the zeal to tear down the altar of our money-first mentality and to come into agreement and obedience with you today. I pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Now, before we collect the offering, I want to say one more thing to you. I know that there's folks in this house who are experiencing financial torment. And I want you to know that we care about you and we love you. And our desire is not to shame you. Our desire is not to manipulate you or control you. Our desire is not to put you down. Matter of fact, we're starting a new financial wellness ministry that will launch in November for individuals who need help with budgeting, who need help with getting out of debt, who need help with developing a sense of your financial future, who need help with pulling it together and, and figuring out what's next for you financially and breaking the back of poverty over your family. And we're going to start that new ministry in November. And we want to invite any of you who are interested in that to sign up for that. And we're going to send you more information about when and how. And it's a holistic ministry that's going to empower you. We've got a powerful couple that's going to lead that ministry who have experience in this field. And we are so excited to see what God is going to do. But this, this is the key I, I wanted to say to you. When we first started Living Hope, I remember I said to the Lord one day, I said, Lord, the vision you've given me is going to take millions of dollars. Why don't you just send somebody to drop millions of dollars in the plate? And the Lord spoke to me and said, because then you would never teach the people to give. And my house would be blessed, but my people would not. I want you to teach the people to give so that I can bless them and not just the house. Remember, he teaches us what is best for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when he calls us to give, he's not taking from us. He's teaching us what is best for us and he's directing us in the way that we should go. And he says, if only you would have paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, your well-being like the waves of the sea. Yeah. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that as we come into obedience today, that you would give us the revelation to see and to know that this is for our good, that our peace might be like a river, that our well-being might be like the waves of the sea. May we respond by coming into agreement with your word, by taking whatever step is necessary to pull down the altar of our money first mentality and the step that is necessary to pull down the altar of our money first mentality is to establish that the kingdom comes first by giving the whole tithe as my first financial priority above everything else and let the chips fall where they may. I pray that you would put that zeal in every heart. I come against fear. I come against worry. I come against discouragement. We tear down this altar of this money first mentality Amen. today. And we establish truth in every heart. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you as you give.